0: Namo Tasa Bhagavato Hara Hato Sama Sambodasa Namo Tasa Bhagavato Hara Hato Sama Sambodasa Namo Tasa Bhagavato Hara Hato Sama sambudasa. Homage to the Buddha, the blessed, noble, and fully self-enlightened one. Uh, I thought we'd talk a little bit um, tonight about um, those qualities that um, we can develop in daily life. Um, Just a little bit of reading I've done over these uh, past couple of weeks, I think. I've come across this word, dignity I hadn't really thought about dignity I <laughs> thought, of, thought of dignity <laughs> It's not a, not a common or garden word, is it? Dignity we, we sort of associate it really with emperors, don't we? Royalty, aristocracy uh, They act in a dignified way of course it don't they? <laughs> <laughs> no, not, sorry. In the past they did. In the past no, no, they did. No, no, no. Well, I think they do. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately it sort of moves towards snobbery. So that's not the best of, best of um, examples really. But we do talk about dignified behaviour, don't we? You'll hear it say people at funerals. You know, somebody who's been heavily grieved. They behave in a dignified way. People under duress or in court falsely accused or even even properly accused <laughs> sort of act in a, a dignified manner. Sort of a certain bearing, isn't it? But that bearing is um, it's out of a certain qualities that we have in us, isn't it? Um, I I don't know how many of you uh, saw the—I think it was YouTube, wasn't it—of of, uh, Saddam Hussein's execution. Did anybody see that? No, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I thought sort of, later on I'm going to—later on I'm going to talk about uh, what we shouldn't be putting in our minds.
1: <laughs>
0: and you have to say he was uh, surrounded by jackals. Have jackals? It was awful um just the cruelty of it i mean the one or two were trying to give him instructions on what was going to happen but the rest were taunting him and within all that he seemed to maintain uh well you know you could talk about a dignified bearing so sort of maintained uh, he must i mean that that sort of perhaps that cool stillness that comes when you know <laughs> you know you're going to die i don't know but i I, I was quite amazed by that, and his daughter then um, wrote or spoke saying that she was proud of her father, in the way that he faced his death. You know, Charles the Charles the First, isn't it? Yeah, he got his head chopped off. So he was—he <laughs> had a certain dignity. <laughs> and then he lost his head. <laughs> and then he lost his head. <laughs> but uh, There's sort of inner, an inner strength comes up when we're in uh, when we're under duress, doesn't it? We find an inner strength which sort of we maintain a dignified posture. In a more uh, it comes out in the body language in a more scriptural incident when Bimbisara, who was the king of Magadha, so that was the, the kingdom that was really growing in those days, around uh, Varanasi, on the Ganges, When he saw uh, the Buddha doing arms round, it seems he was taken by his bearing, by the dignified way he was doing it. And it, 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 was, it, it struck him to such an extent that he actually wanted to know who that monk was. And that's how the friendship was first formed. to do with self-worth, isn't it? To feel worthy of yourself. To, to feel... To have a sort of dignified bearing. I mean, that can slip into pride. But there must be some sort of um, self-worthiness, I think, in the word dignity. Because hmm? we feel good about yourself. And I think... Um, I think that's a deeper goodness that we feel about ourselves if we see our lives uh, in terms of a spiritual life in terms of spiritual growth puts it into a much greater context doesn't it I mean if, if one has uh, a bearing because of status that's put upon one you know that, that society puts upon you certain kudos having a job and all that then that bearing that dignity that comes with it in any, in any job really uh, is dependent on the job so, but if, if our um, sense of worthiness comes from living a spiritual life um, then really nothing that happens on the outside can upset that feeling of self-worthiness and that's a theory <laughs> I mean this life in terms of any, all these uh, religions, this life is seen as a sort of training ground isn't it training ground so it's not a matter of um, being perfect in order to have dignity is it it's not a matter of having arrived it's the sense of worthiness you get from treading, uh, treading a worthwhile path in life and um, I came across these ten factors, these ten qualities of a king in the scriptures. <laughs> um, I think they're commentarial, they come in the, in the jataka, the tales, the tales of, past, of the Buddha's past lives. But they give us uh, something to sort of work around. And the one that seems to always head the list is uh, generosity charity it's interesting that when he um, was attacked by all his by the great doubt just before he became awakened you know it's put mythologically as Mara attacked him uh, the great doubt the great doubt was who was he I mean who was he amongst all human beings to think that being entered to suffer who was he to to have that presumption that he could find the end of suffering. It was a real deep self-doubt. And um, he touches uh, the earth, you see, and the goddess arises to um, say that the quality that he's perfected, which allows him to have this presumption, in both e commas, is the perfection of Generosity. Which means that he's not doing it just for himself. He's not doing it just for himself. He sees himself already connected to the whole of humanity, the whole, the whole, uh, the, whole the whole mass of suffering, and that's what gives him his sense of uh, self-worth back, and to go back into uh, the meditation. And after that, he he makes the break. It's very interesting. That's a quality of uh, not getting flustered, not getting angry when we lose something or when somebody takes something. You know, there's the Zen story of the monk who um, was sitting there and a thief came and took all his possessions, even his clothes, left him naked in the (laughs) the moonlight. And he he looked up at the moon and he said, if only I could have, this beautiful moon, if only I could have given him the moon. See, that's generosity, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, and it's that it's that spirit of uh, of not not just giving when you're asked, but letting go of actually giving when you don't feel you want to give. It's a real um, and to do that there has to be that connection, doesn't it, to the other generosity. Um, more generous we are the more it mirrors back to us our lack of possessiveness and when we're generous we let go of something that we could have used for ourselves yeah, either our wealth or our time for ourselves uh, just to do that is to let go of the self I mean that's, that's the practice of undermining the self view in action it's not this business of undermining self isn't isn't just an act of insight like when we observe things as separate and all that it manifests in our virtues and generosity the Buddha puts it always at the head of a list because <clears throat> because as the more generous we are uh, the more we have to renounce and that process of renunciation is the spiritual path yeah it doesn't mean to say that you have to actually let go of everything but you have to have that attitude with everything of being able to let go of it should occasion demand yeah develop that attitude sometimes you can um, play little mental games with that you know take the most treasured thing you have and then think about it being stolen being lost. I mean, would it be that? Would it be that important? Yes. <laughs> so sort of, you know, can can you let go of something treasured? See, just do a mental game with it. Because often our fears are unfounded. You know, we we think that if we lose this or lose our jobs or lose that, no, like the world crashes around us but if you just turn it into a little story within the mind using the creativity of the mind to set up a certain situation a thought experiment you know, then you, you see there's nothing like nothing even to the point of losing your life you can try that one it's a bit heavy <laughs> uh, last year I went to Auschwitz and um, just heroic stories around all those years of, um, of that camp um, Auschwitz mm. and uh, just heroic tales of people you know, a- who act out of kindness and get uh, severely punished or killed killed from it and you go there and when you sort of go to the place it sort of grounds all the stories that you've read um, and it has quite an effect on you I think anyway so even to the point of being able to let go of our lives that's the ultimate generous act isn't it A no greater gift of man and all that so this generosity digs deep it's a its a profound um, virtue isn't it generosity and the next one is morality um, here we can take it more in the sense of not doing what is wrong. You know, it's keeping the basic precepts. Often uh, just to resist the old temptations, you know. We're not to when most of us have given up killing and thieving and <laughs> so we're not talking about gross sort of behaviour. But just those little things that uh, you know little greeds, little aversions, and just to work with them, just to see them as as um, ways of developing that strength of resisting temptation, okay. um, even at the more, these more subtle levels where we can't talk about good and evil, we're talking about unwholesomeness, we're talking about um, unskillful behavior, you know just attachments to a certain routine in our lives, or the morning cup of tea that's difficult <laughs> and just to sort of play little games with ourselves of, you know like what happens if I don't have my Lapsang Suchong this morning go through the hell of letting go <laughs> you know and just and what that does is it builds up your your, your will you see, your will to resist what is unwholesome for us and um, the idea is of course that you you keep doing it until until you've lost uh, a real connection with it and then when you go back into it to um, is that a door is it there we are the cats have come what to do (laughs) the cats have arrived Fancy. Um. So you're trying to go back into the
1: routine, see how it is?
0: Well it's a case of a breaking routine, you know, the practice is really getting rid of habits and getting other habits, but as soon as we get a habit we tend to hold on to it, even meditation becomes a sort of obsessive can become an obsessive thing you know you think your day will collapse if you don't do your 40 minutes and it's a case of tempting tempting oneself to, to let go of things that we become attached to and it strengthens our character strengthens the will you see the ability to resist temptation and it,
1: it's not necessarily anything which is negative you, you were talking no. about the morning cup of tea there's, n- there's actually nothing wrong with the morning cup of tea no there's that's what I mean of, of breaking the habit because mm. you, you become attached to the particular yeah.
0: behaviour yeah. yeah because uh, the self comforts itself in little ways mm-hmm. you know. in Christian literature they're called imperfections <laughs> imperfections but the purpose of that is to um, is again to renounce and in so doing you you know you create a certain a certain inner strength this is the point and i think that's that's one of these things about when you see somebody who has a who has dignity to use that word a sort of an inner strength and it comes from uh, being able to resist what is harmful On the positive side, the next one is altruism. Yeah. So, uh, if you remember that uh, verse from the Dhammapada, "See from evil, do good, purify the heart." This is the path. This is the ancient path. Now, yeah, this is the this is a path before the Buddha. This is this is the the an ancient path. Altruism, putting somebody else before somebody before yourself, or at least equal to yourself. Uh, when you know when. Uh, when the situation calls for it you're not, you're not saying that there isn't a situation where you're not caring for yourself the Buddha is clear about that we do things for ourselves for others both for ourselves and others but this altruism is really an expression of that interconnectedness isn't it interdependency sort of recognising that so when we offer you know, we offer our service we offer our wealth put ourselves out for somebody uh, there's a lovely passage uh, the scripture I think is called the Anarudas but there's uh, uh, three arahats three fully enlightened monks living together <laughs> and they live uh, not hopefully not surprisingly peacefully and the Buddha asks Anaruda how is it you live peacefully you see? and he says well when I get up in the morning I say to myself what if I put aside what I want to do and do what the others want to do. <laughs> I think that only works if the others are saying the same thing. <laughs> if they're not, I think you'll be messed about. But at least uh, that attitude, you see, just putting aside what I want to do and let's see what the others want to do. You're not, you're not getting rid of what you want, you're just putting it aside for a moment so that you can hear what other people want to do, yeah, which, is, uh, which is not our normal position we prefer that other people know what we want to do and then we bargain (laughs) then we have to negotiate it's coming round it from the other way and hopefully people respond that's sort of altruism. altruism honesty I think honesty is a great part of this bearing dignified bearing honesty Truthfulness with ourselves, truthfulness with others, not to trick people, not to exaggerate. Huh? I mean, that that comes close to humility, really, in, in its proper sense of knowing who we are. You know, uh, it comes in all sorts of ways. Honesty, sort of to do one's due at work. You know, to give of one's best at work. in business see um, it's funny on a retreat there was somebody he was into um, buying and selling and he says he can go to a house and somebody will show him something who hasn't seen the antiques uh, road show <laughs> and uh, he'll, he'll he'll sort of get out of them that they don't really know it's worth so now he can really say well look I'll give you 20 quid for that you know I'll take it off your hand for 20 quid <laughs> And he always sells it for a couple of thousand. And he, I could see he was confused because this was business. This is what you did in business. But there was some doubt in his mind because he asked, you see, I mean, what about that, you see? And uh, before I could say something, uh, you know, I just let it rest in the air just see what the others would say. And there was another businessman there, you see, and of course he went on about integrity. <laughs> he sort of blew that one out of the water, really. But it's funny how you can confuse yourself, you know, by uh, having different aims. So this person's aim, of course, was to make money. Oh. <laughs> it's not his fault the other person didn't know what it was worth. They should have known better. It's not his problem, is it? So that sense of uh, integrity, I think, is part of, part of the quality of, of dignity, to use that word, there's ten of them. <laughs> 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 the other one is kindness, kindness, <clears throat> gentleness. We often translate metta as loving kindness, don't we? Kindness, the quality of being kind being gentle. It's a lovely word, isn't it? Kind. In a sense, it, the word itself tells us what it is. Kindness. I was always amused by gentleman. I mean, I know in old literature they say gentlewoman, but it's very rarely used. It's the man who's supposed to be gentle. <laughs> a gentleman. Interesting, eh? Gentle. Kindness, yeah. Often it's to see the fragility in others, isn't it? You know, to see their, uh, to see their weaker part, and not to take advantage of that or hammer them for it. Often you can get, uh, you can ask people to do things which they wouldn't do if it weren't asked with kindness, you know, sort of a, a gentleness about the way we speak to people. it even extends to obvious. you know how did you close the fridge door <laughs> you know it's just treating everything with that sort of when I used to go up to the Zen monastery in Throttle Hole just here in uh, Wrexham, Wex- North, Long- North England anyway um, they used to insist that we treat even these sort of cracked bits of pottery as if they were Ming vases, you know. Everything had to be treated with that sort of, you know, very gracious kindness. And you bow to everything, out of gratitude. You know, bow to the room, bow the door, doorknob. And it's like, <laughs> and at first it's sort of game, and then you realize, eh, no, that's, this is what it's about, really. <laughs> kindness. Remember, these are the qualities that are supposed to be of a king. self control mm. sort of self discipline it 's not a word we particularly like discipline it reminds us of victoriana <laughs> and the old ways. but the interesting thing is that the word discipline actually comes from you know the word to learn, a disciple following following the uh, um, the advice of a teacher. on this course for instance the, the schedule was your discipline it set out the rotor of the day so one one tries to follow that particular rotor as best, ones, best, as, best as you can no matter how you feel or don't feel so this discipline is coming from some other centre, it's not coming from feelings, not coming from whether you want to do it or not in that sort of feeling way, whether you're bored or not mm-hmm. so one has the discipline the inner strength um, the control to actually do what you've set yourself like resolutions. there was a robbery in Bishop's Castle just down the road it's a close town to us and I was in the um, builder's merchant's yard and um, they said there'd been a robbery in Bishop's Castle I said, "Oh, I said why? I don't know why." I said, "Why?" <laughs> <laughs> it's not a silly question, really. It's like it's like the bank robber who is asked, "Why does he rob the banks?" You see, And he said, "Because that's where the money is." <laughs> and you uh, know, he answered me. He said, "Lack of just lack of discipline." He said, and walked off. Lack of discipline, <laughs> uh, and that's the way he saw it. Lack of discipline. All this. Um, All this bad behavior is all lack of discipline. Um, I think you have to be careful that it doesn't become a disciplinarian. I mean, that's where we associate discipline with. But it's more cajoling. It's more returning to that kindness, to that self-cajoling, to actually do what we'd set ourselves to do. And uh, when it comes to self-control of the senses, the Buddha's hot on that. Because everything that comes into the senses is conditioning you. An act of attention is an act of intention. Intention is an act of will. You know, I, like to, I always like to um, refer to that example of these uh, billboards on roads. In the 80s, I was living in Birmingham, and... Um, there was obviously some doubt about the, um, the efficacy of these billboards, whether they had any worth in terms of advertising. So the owners of the billboards advertised this really uh, funny perfume uh, from Australia. It had a funny name, which I've forgotten. Did you ever see it? And it had a hat on it with... Yeah, well, it wasn't... <laughs> and it had a hat on top of the bottle with corks. It was really funny. And uh, the amount of inquiries about this <laughs> proved without a shadow of a doubt that, that these billboards worked. You don't
1: remember the
0: name. I can't, no, I can't remember the name, but I definitely remember the, the shape of the product. Anyway, it didn't exist. <laughs> and so there you are on the bus, you see, and you're just, you're just lazily looking out and you're catching these billboards. And it's coming in, it's coming in. So the Buddha always talks about uh, restraint of the sense bases, restraint of the sense bases. So we have to um, be careful about you know what we put into our heads, you know what we see on TV, uh, stuff we read. I mean, it's not a matter of, of guarding ourselves against, so we say, bad news but it's just just being, you know, just recognizing that what we put into the mind has a conditioning effect, that's all. Now remember that these conditionings are not everlasting. It's not as though, oh my God, I'm bound to go to the beachy hell or something. It's (laughs) it's a case of recognizing that, you know, if if there is a negative conditioning in the mind, then we're going to have to suffer, stay with, be patient with that conditioning coming out and exhausting itself, that's all. But once we put a conditioning in the mind to which we're attracted, then there'll always be that, every time you put it in, you're reinforcing that conditioning. That's the problem. So it becomes more and more difficult not to resist, uh, more and more difficult to resist (coughs) the actual temptation. So this uh, uh, self-control is absolutely necessary, really. spiritual life see the Buddha all these rules that we have it's 227 on the last count (laughs) so so many of them were to restrain the monastics from doing things I mean one of them was food Uh, in the early times the monks and nuns could go out any time with a bowl collect a bit of food go back have a munch there was no rule as such and then the lay people started to complain they said, look, your monks will turn up any time of the day. <laughs> and they're all rushing off with all this food, you see. So then he made this rule. He said, um, from now on, you have to go out in the morning, and you can only go out once, and you have to eat it by midday. And the monks didn't like that. They rebelled. They said, no, we're not having that. Uh, but eventually they, they sort of came to their senses and, and agreed to have it. And there were proper arguments like, well, everybody cooks the best food in the evening." You go in the morning, are oh, you going to get his rice? <laughs> but he wouldn't have it. I can't forgive him. <laughs> <So laughs> and you get things like that. It was once uh, he saw monks coming away from a village or something with loads and loads of cloth. So he thought, well, that's not right. The robes. Because by that time, obviously, they'd, uh, they'd become well established in society and were getting lots of presents from... Uh, lots gifts from lay people so he himself went out and uh, seemingly tried tried to eat he, he uh, at night he uh, he just put his uh, he had his two robes and then uh, as the night got a bit cool he put another robe on top of him and then in the early morning the coldest hour he needed another robe so he made a robe you can only have three robes the, the one the under robe the over robe and this and the, the last two, he put as one. You have to stitch them together. And that's it. So, all these little rules that we have, these institutional rules, are there really to restrain the senses. That's the idea, you see. So, it's up to you, uh, self-restraint, like, you know, Um, retail therapy that's a bad bad one nipping in getting a pair of shoes you don't really need I mean if you gave one away (laughs) if you gave one blouse away or one skirt away or one pair of trousers away and then bought another one there might be some I mean like the wardrobes get bigger and bigger Then there's non-anger. Oh, this is, a, this is a very strange area for us. Uh, righteous, this question comes up often, this righteous anger. Right, you know, it's, I mean, it's there within uh, Christianity, depending on how you um, interpret the actions of Christ, you know, when he overturns the tables. I mean, I don't see why he should necessarily have done it with anger. He had have done it in a dignified way, couldn't he? You know, just get out of here and just tip the table over. You know what I mean? Like it's, but they always think that he's all raged, went like berserk. Which <laughs> doesn't, I don't know, I don't know. Anyway, but this idea of righteous anger, you know, um, anger itself, anger itself always has an underbelly of cowardice, because you'll, you'll only manifest anger to somebody you can beat. If the person's bigger than you, you're not going to get, <laughs> you're going to get angry. If a person is more powerful than you, you're going to you know, keep it cool because you don't want to lose your job or you don't want to get flung into jail or something. So that, that anger is always it always rests on the presumption that you'll win the battle. It's, it's not a very strong position to come from, I think. And we have this uh, little thing about being aggressive and being assertive. Now, uh, being assertive, as far as I can see is far more wise than being aggressive and to be assertive you don't have to be angry See, and I think that's part of this dignity it means that you're coming from the place of truthfulness and the strength of that in uh, you know today we have this problem of uh, these wars uh, I had uh, just last week, actually, was it last week or the week before? Anyway, I gave a talk to Her Majesty's Armed Forces <laughs> on this business of non-violence, <laughs> 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 and uh, uh, I think the um, the problem <laughs> the problem lies around this word force. And violence, you see. I mean, force, I think, can be assertive. Violence is always aggressive. So force. So violence is force with something added. Violence, uh, violence is force with anger, with revenge, with all that. Now, of course, it's difficult if you're a soldier and your mate's just got shot to, <laughs> to uh, not to have a sense of redress or something to after the enemy. I don't think it has to be like that. I mean, uh, people who are sent out by the UN, peacekeepers. Yeah, You'd, even the Irish Army does that, doesn't it? It was out in Israel, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. On the borders Yeah. Uh, their their job isn't to isn't to kill, but to protect. So it's a very different attitude, isn't it? So I think that distinction between force and violence is important. Uh, in, in a sense, you've got to have a righteous cause. That's, that's your other problem. You know? But leaving aside armed conflict, I think when we feel angry, it's this business of sublimation. That's another word I very rarely come across, but it's there within uh, a lot of Christian literature in the old days. I just don't hear it, To sublimate. Now, if I'm, I believe I'm writing saying, do correctly, that in science, in chemistry, to sublimate means that the when something sublimates, it moves from a solid directly into a, a air. air what the word I'm looking for? Gas. Gas. Thank you. <laughs> There's no. It doesn't pass through the fluid state. So somehow to. Um, I mean, anger's energy. That's all it is. It's, it's, it's energy. And to somehow turn the energy around and use it for benefit, it's, you know, it can really give you a lot of force. But somehow you've got to take the turbulence out of it. Somehow you've got to drop down to the righteousness of your cause and to work from the base of equanimity. Then it becomes very really powerful. I think. Yeah? Your energy... Your um, uh, just the person's ability to stand their ground without anger has a, a lot more force than somebody who's jumping up and down. Huh? There's that inner strength. People feel it. I mean, all these people that we, we praise these days, like Gandhi, uh, you know, Martin Luther King, Nelson Mandela. All these people all have that. That's one thing they really developed, isn't it? You know, not to get angry when they're being attacked, but to maintain that dignified uh, presence and the strength that comes from it. Very difficult. So that's this uh, non-anger. That was non-anger. And then, um, funnily enough, they they put non-violence underneath non-anger as, a, as the ninth I think it's the ninth, is it? no i halfway down the list <laughs> they put non-violence, harmlessness I think that's what they mean by that harmlessness so that's the, you know, in a positive sense is caring for all living beings coming from a sense of care non-anger vi- non-violence they're very close really, aren't they? And then you always get this in the list: forbearance, patience. The Buddha talks about it as being the greatest form of ascetic practice. Yeah, you don't have to line the bed of nails to get the best form of ascetic practice. <laughs> just, <laughs> just be patient with what's no, enormously annoying. Remember, old Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. See, I took the blows. <laughs> Frank took the blows. And the idea that you, <laughs> the idea that you can't win all battles—you're not going to win all your battles, whether it's at work or in the family or anything—somehow there has to be a point where you say, "Well, I'll, I'll give into that." You know, even—I mean, there's only myself and a manager, That's C.E.Panya—and <laughs> sometimes I think, "No, it's not worth it. Let that one go." <laughs> and it's it's good practice because then you give up trying to win battles you know like you give up always trying to be the one the one who gets their way and just to lose a few it's easy then you see I mean we're not talking about immoral things just you know doing it my way when I was a kid I remember a raging argument between mother and father over polishing shoes (laughs) my father having been in the armed forces (laughs) you put the polish on with the cloth and then you brush it up with the brush (laughs) bloody obvious (laughs) and my mother who wasn't trained in these fine arts just used the brush all the way through the thing was the shoe came up just as bright anyway but that wasn't the point (laughs) so, so it, it's a case of you know, being able to sort of give in a bit sometimes I think that's a quality of patience forbearance and in meditation of course we are, we're, we're learning that you see that you, want your, you want the heart to be other than it is see? but you can't you have to let it go if it feels a bit depressed or a bit anxious or whatever as soon as you try to get the better of it then you're in conflict I mean, somehow we have to be able to let the heart do its thing, and yet put our energy into the way we ought to be behaving in the present, at the present time, and then deal with the heart later. So you don't put yourself in conflict with your own heart, with your own mind, or with your body. heaven's say, you know, like pushing the body to do things when it's when it's not capable. These, you know, when somebody comes to meditation for the first time and they you have to judge, you know, from the, from the body, but generally speaking, once you've reached 30, you know, forget the cross leg business, it's <laughs> just like it's not worth the pain. I mean, I mean, I did it, but I mean, looking back at God, it could have been easier. <laughs> Sat there with a raging bull in your knees. And uh, these little things that so annoy us it's amazing how they can you know uh, make us so angry about the smallest of things and that's because remember these emotions aren't caused by the object these emotions are like uh, are like a big bag full of rubbish uh, like a big bag full of air stinky air and all you've got to do is put a pinprick and all of it wants to get out through there like a balloon see? So we've got all this vast reservoir of anger and, and uh, self righteousness and all that sort of stuff, and somebody's only got to, you know, just in the right time or the right place, just put a little puncture <laughs> there and you go, BOOM! It's you know, <laughs> completely inappropriate. You know, <laughs> you know, it's funny, and it's funny how we, you know, how we gauge when that's, when that's possible. You know, if, if, I mean, if somebody, I don't know. Somebody comes into the house who's a, a stranger or a visitor, and they knock something over, it's all, you know, no problem, you know. But if the kid does it, you go the sick. <laughs> <laughs> If the dog does it, you hang him. <laughs> <laughs> and that sort of inappropriate behaviour that we have. Um, you know, just to have, have patience with things, just develop that patience with things. And then finally, there's uh, this business of uprightness. And I I presume that's the word for dignity, really. Uh, Just the courage to stand up for what one thinks is right. What's that lovely phrase, I always forget it, about, um, you know, if people of right mind stood up for something, then these bad things wouldn't happen. If they only spoke their mind and stood up for what was right, I touched upon anybody's memory? One of these beautiful quotes.
1: Burke says, says something, doesn't he? Yeah.
0: Can you remember um, the quote? Uh, it, it's to that meaning, no, isn't it?
1: No, no, that's about... No, it, it's a, a different matter. It's a lovely thing, actually. Um, for evil to flourish, it is only necessary that good men stay silent.
0: That's the one. Sorry, it's such Yes, I, and I want to write that down afterwards. <laughs> <'cause> <laughs> That's so could, could you say that again, Rufi? From evil to flourish.
1: From evil to flourish, it is only necessary for good men to stay silent.
0: Yeah, see. That's then
1: maybe one or words
0: out
1: of place. But yeah. No, but it's, that is definitely
0: mm. what it is. Somebody supporting me about that. <laughs> <laughs> right, you. That's it. That's it, you do. So that's that sort of uprightness. Um, So these qualities, I mean, we haven't uh, discussed other qualities that we'll, I'll go into a little bit tomorrow. The metta, karuna, the the loving kindness, the compassion, the joy. These are just things that were listed um, as qualities of a king. Who's listed that? Well, it comes from the Jataka tales. It comes from later mm -hmm. uh, commentarial stuff.
1: Mm -hmm. But it's not what the Buddha himself said.
0: Uh, not in so many words, I think, mm-hmm. as far as I can see. I don't have my books, so I can't is really say it, for absolutely sure. Is it
1: presented sure. as being from the Buddha or from his advice? Well,
0: usually the, the Jatakas are, but they're not mm-hmm. canonical. Mm-hmm. They're, not, they're not put into the canon as such. Yeah. But they'll do, won't they? Yeah. As a list, as a sort of starter. <laughs> yeah.
1: it, it occurs to me, actually, very interesting, um, that list is absolutely vital given the nature of kings in those days and in fact even today, because without a list like that you've got mayhem because mm. the king is all powerful mm. so it's, it's a way of tempering the king's power that's right. to, to mm. assign him all these qualities
0: that's right uh, in the scriptures you have this figure of the, um, the world conquering monarch who seems to me to be like the alter ego of the Buddha so remember, when he was born, the wise man said he would either be a world-conquering monarch or a fully self-enlightened being. And so you have this figure coming up through the scriptures of this uh, very good, uh, very gracious king who, um, who does everything right according to uh, the model law, and everything's very peaceful. And if you think about it, um, supposing we just took the first precept. Everybody on, on this earth took the first precept not to kill another human being. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. just that, never mind the rest of it.
1: It is totally revolutionary, though, the idea that a shouldn't, shouldn't kill another human being. That's to say, because that, that would essentially forbid warfare, wouldn't it? Yeah. So, cows okay. can no longer go, go to war if they are that.
0: That's right but by this time he's conquered everything anyway (laughs) (laughs) he's rolled his wheel he doesn't have any opposition really Um, there is a nice little scripture where there's lots of robbery the the kingdom sort of goes into disarray because he's not kept these rules and the advice is given by um, uh, by, by the Buddha in a previous life or something um, is that he ought to stop inequality of payment? There shouldn't be anybody who's poor. Says so when you when you get rid of poverty, then the stealing stops, and the and the hatred stops, and the killing will stop. That's an interesting ancient idea. So anyway, that's it. That's. Um this, this, uh, this gives you some ideas of how we can walk around in a dignified fashion from now on. <laughs> <laughs> so I can only hope my words have been of some assistance. Mm-hmm. May you be liberated from all suffering sooner rather than later. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit org slash donate.